Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Ed Lavery of SimilarWeb. SimilarWeb shocked the alternative data world in May with a $1.6 billion IPO, which many observers took as a sign that more such flotations would soon follow in the space. In our conversation, Ed and I discuss SimilarWeb's offering, the float, and wider implications for the alternative data space as a whole going forwards. So, Ed, SimilarWeb is the name on many people's lips at the moment um, because I want to say a month, six weeks ago, uh, SimilarWeb was the first major alternative data providing company to go public, to list, um, and it caused a lot of excitement and it caused a lot of a lot of glee, I want to say, in the alternative <laughs> data community because you kind of showed it can be done. So, um, and we were we were we were. We've been trying to have this conversation for a long time, um, and actually, you couldn't tell me beforehand that the listing was coming, and then you couldn't really talk about it immediately afterwards because of yeah. various various constraints. So here we are. The time is up, and finally made it. <laughs> gloves are off, and we can talk about everything. Fantastic. Exactly. So delighted to have you. In why don't you just begin by telling us what SimilarWeb does? What is what is what is SimilarWeb's offering? So the data that we provide our customers is everything from uh, website traffic visits uh, to how long customers spend on a website uh, to even where they're coming on from that website. They're coming through uh, paid. Uh, they come through marketing channels, uh, direct uh, brand aware channels as well. Um, we can even go as granular as basically telling customers all the search terms um, people are searching for to get a website, uh, the ads, uh, even the product SKUs that are being sold, uh, what pages people are looking at on a website, whether they are logging in, whether they are signing up, uh, whether they are viewing and then even purchasing a particular product uh, in general. And we have this data for about 100 or over 100 million websites globally. So we have this data for about 190 countries um, across every single industry uh, as well. Well, every industry that has its own website. And how do you uh, collect the data in terms of where does it actually come from? So the way that we collect our data is that we, uh, from a few different methods, so we have our own collection methods from uh, products that we uh, kind of put out to consumers. Uh, we also uh, have data from certain partnerships um, and also uh, direct measurement data. And essentially what we do is aggregate all these real-time signals on virtually every single website. We also have app data as well. Uh, we analyze basically the billions of search terms that we are receiving from this data, the ads, uh, the product level data, the content data um, across all these platforms, channels, industries, and geographies. What we then do, uh, we have a proprietary algorithm internally, and we synthesize this data, model it, and analyze it. Um, and then the data that we provide our customers is estimated data, um, which enables our customers to perform a kind of actionable insights on the data. Um, and we do so this. It's like for... a, so it's kind of like a poll. You'll get a small amount of data or, you know, a, a large enough amount of data. And then you can draw, draw kind of larger inferences on what the overall population is doing based on that. 
Sure. On the most basic level, yes. But uh, I think the key thing is, is that we're utilizing hundreds of different so hundreds of different sources to collect this data. And then, yes, uh, essentially, our estimations are based on that as well. Uh, who buys the data and in what form? Sure. So uh, essentially, the, the data that we produce is, uh, as I said, estimated aggregated data. So you'll be able to go into a platform or portal and you can see how many people visited Amazon.com on a particular day, where in the world they came from. Uh, so we have a geographic breakdown. Uh, so we have we track data from 190 countries as well. I think that's one thing that makes us uh, relatively unique in the alternative data space. So the way that SimilarWeb is constructed as a business is that we have five different solutions. Uh, the first solution, which is the investor solution, which is what uh, I, I lead. Um, but um, our core solutions are also a research solution. So uh, this is really targeting kind of BI teams, teams that are trying to understand market share, audience behavior. Um, we have a digital marketing solution, which is um, SEO teams, PPC teams, affiliate teams, um, who are basically trying to optimize either their search, their, their affiliate networks, or things like that. Um, we have a shopper intelligence. So shopper intelligence is a relative, well, it's a new product that we just launched where we have the ability to track all products and SKUs that are sold on Amazon and are hopefully very soon other big retailers as well. Um, and then finally, sales intelligence. So this is essentially for sales professionals to essentially find leads through website traffic data. So within these five solutions, each solution is developing its own product to target the different use cases and different industries within that as well. Brilliant. That is, I think, a wonderful whistle-stop tour of SimilarWeb. And now we know where we're standing. Um, let's go back a little bit to, because um, I like your, I think you've got a, I, I like your personal story to do with SimilarWeb. Um, so why don't you uh, just say how how you personally, um, Ed, head of the Investor Solutions uh, arm, um, came to SimilarWeb. How did you come across the company? Sure. So I, I definitely do not have a conventional background uh, in the alternative data space at all. So I, um, I started my career uh, in investment banking uh, in the UK. Um, I then left that after a, a, a couple of years and joined uh, Philip Morris. So Philip Morris, I was working on their kind of e-cigarette or IQOS uh, teams, if uh, you're familiar with that. So IQOS is their kind of reduced risk product, basically the product that's going to end cigarette smoking forever, which is how they're positioning it as well. And it was basically there. I was trying to figure out how big the online e-cigarette market was um, and just realizing that there was no data um, in the market at all for it. And I was speaking to a few consultancies, Baines, McKinsey's, and they were saying, right, we can do a survey. It'll cost you a quarter of a million dollars and we will survey 300 or 1,000 ESIG users. And I thought, this is rubbish. There must be a better way of doing it. Um, it was there I came across SimilarWeb uh, as well. Um, so, and I saw that actually with online traffic data, I could pretty much figure out the size and the dynamics of the um, online e-cigarette market. Um, because, because it's basically the traffic of people um, Googling or searching for or getting advertised to or whatever, but it's the people who come to the idea of a, cigarette or an e-cigarette and then they're buying it and and you're kind of you can track all of that process and how they're coming to it and and how they continue with it and their loyalty and all these things 
you can and just even just more basic level just uh i think 50 percent of the market were buying their products online so you'd be able to be able to see the size of traffic to going to these websites uh the amount of traffic going to these websites was just kind of a a giveaway it's like well if i know if a million people are visiting a website the conversion is x i can potentially work out what revenue this website is making um so that was kind of the logic behind it so I started doing a bit more digging and um, I like it was also at this time that Philip Morris's share price was being massively boosted by the launch of this product iQOS in Japan. And um, the share price of Philip Morris went up 30 percent. And I was looking at the similar web traffic. Are they big on are they big on uh, uh, electric cigarettes in Japan? Is that a thing? massive for this product iQOS? They had about a million users sign up in the first month. And then Philip Morris was saying like this product is going to like if it can do this well in Japan, it's going to do this well in every country in the world that we launch in. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was looking at the web traffic to iQuest.jp, um, and it exploded. It was amazing. And then I was looking at the web traffic to other countries like iQuest.co.uk, .de, .fr, .it. Um, so other countries that they just launched this product iQuest in. And the website traffic data was just like flat. It was like negligible. And I was thinking, well, Surely the whole investment industry must be looking at this data. This was back in 2016 or 20, 2015, 2016. Mm. And I was thinking, surely the whole investor investment industry must be looking at this data and going, what's going on with this company's share price? And I started asking around and I just felt back then, no one was really looking at this data. And it were, I just found this crazy. It's just like, it's obvious that there's just something like you can see it's exploding in one country but what the company is saying is just not what is being the data is saying at all mm. anyway i uh started asking around and i kind of realized i may be onto something here as well so i actually reached out to the so similar i've been speaking to a bit before in the past they weren't selling to investors really back in 2016 uh, it was at the end of the year that I reached out to the CEO. I sent him a message on LinkedIn. But as a, as Philip Morris, I mean, you were not an investor. You were uh, uh, inquiring for business purposes. Were they were they selling to a Philip Morris equivalent? But they hadn't necessarily thought of. And it was because you had the financial background that you saw this separate potential use, which you then. But they. So the way you came to it was was the way they were selling. Is that right? So yeah, so the, the way so I think SimilarWeb had a few investor customers before I came, but it was at the time I think five years ago, and with a ton of data, customers would just come up to data vendors and just say well, investors would come up and say we need data, and the data vendors would have no idea what the investors were actually using it for. Um, and then I think a lot of the time, many of the investor customers didn't really know how to use the data either. So both sides were at loggerheads uh, on this. So essentially the product then that I think I, I saw the value in was the same product that corporates were buying. It was just applying a very different lens on how to interpret the data. Um, how big was how big was SimilarWeb at this time? Was it much smaller than it is now or has it has it been has always been quite big in the in its space? So SimilarWeb we were founded in 2013. Uh, when I joined at the beginning of 2017, we were 300 employees and uh, now we're about 850 employees. I mean, it was already big, but it wasn't as big as it is now. But it's so it's 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 it grew quite substantially very early, doing what it was doing from a from a business perspective before getting into the investor stuff. Exactly, exactly. So I think when I joined, we just after I joined, we raised forty million dollars of investment uh, as well. So that was in twenty seventeen, 
and I think before that, I can't remember the number of he- of hand, but we had had a few um, funding rounds before that. Yeah, but over okay. the yeah. So you there had there were some investors, but you came to them and said, um, "This is something which there's a lot of potential." Had you come across the alternative data space more broadly? Had you because obviously it it had been around in in various. Uh, shapes and forms and and by 2015 it was beginning to kind of get going a bit um had you had you come across it elsewhere or, or was it a kind of fresh idea did it feel like i hadn't even heard the term alternative data when i joined the company um so i i think i only heard the term in halfway through 2017 and we uh we just jumped on the bandwagon of calling ourselves alternative data as a result of it <laughs> so um to us, uh, to us i've just seen all the 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 data and the product that we sell and information just data in general it's information to help people make decisions essentially you can label it however you want uh but that's still how i kind of i view the business today we are providing data and information to help people make decisions sure Sure. So you kind of you brought the idea to Similar Web, and how did you? How easy was it? Was it pushing an open door, or did you do a lot of a lot of knocking and and getting slammed in your face for for, for this idea? No, the whole thing actually came very quickly by surprise. So uh, it was, uh, I think it was on Boxing Day, twenty sixteen. I sent I sent the uh, CEO a message on LinkedIn, uh, just saying, "Hey, I've, I've got a cool idea. I've got some. T- if you've got a few uh, minutes, I'd love to pitch it to you." Um, expecting I'll probably hear with him from him in a couple of weeks. Anyway, I think before I put my phone in my pocket, I my phone beeps and he had replied. Uh, within half an hour of sending that message, I was on the phone to him pitching the idea. Um, nice. Came in to meet him two weeks later. Uh, thought I'd probably bring in a couple of slides just to present. Uh, and then I think within five minutes of walking in that room, I had a job offer. So uh, it all happened very, very quickly. Brilliant. So that was an open door. What about when you're actually doing the job? Did you find was it was it uh, so taking similar webs data and selling it to and taking it to investors and and trying to say, look, we've got this data. Would you be interested? Did you find investors were like you're the you're the company of my dreams, or was it more uh, a bit of a bit of a sell, bit of a bit of work to to, to sell it into them? So or somewhere in between. It was somewhere somewhere in between. Like um, there was a lot of iteration on our side internally of finding out what works, what doesn't work, what sells, what doesn't sells, what investors want to hear. How do you like improve the win rate? How do you speed up the deal? How do you get more people interested in as well? And I think we we've, we've explored very like at the beginning it was iteration. Okay, how do we do back testing? How do we what can we pre predictive? No, we probably can't be that predictive. But like, how do you find trends? So I I think just uh I guess on my perspective I I've always known that similar web data like we can see what goes on on the internet. Like there is obviously a demand for that. We're selling information on what happens on pretty much every single website in the world. And I've always thought if we can't get investors interested, if what we're trying doesn't get investors interested in that, then we're obviously trying the wrong thing. So we need to pivot and try something different. Um, And I think that's one thing that SimilarWeb has done quite well has been pivoting the way that we position ourselves to investors, the data, um, and kind of growing with that. So I guess just to give an example. So I think when when we started, it was like, okay, can we cool the quarter with our data? like our data was way off it's like okay that doesn't work I like mm-hmm. okay can we see like do, like just trends if, if a company 
says that they're growing in a certain market, can we find the data that reflects it? Yes, it does. And we found that got a little bit more bite when we did that. And then we found, okay, well, you need to like do back test at least to get people on the phone to you and having a conversation with you. And then we tried that. And then that works really well. And now I think we're kind of getting in a story a position where it's actually like, can we tell stories for the market? Can we tell the market stories that they are unaware of? And that is something that definitely seems to be resonating very well. Where where did you get the ideas from? Was it was it from um, pitches, <laughs> pitches that went wrong, or was it from hiring people from the industry who knew what was needed, or, or how did you how were you gathering your information? Yeah, so I think that we've definitely so we've hired quite a few people from the industry, uh, buy side, sell side, um, as well, and I'd say that that's been invaluable just for them being able to understand how the investor like investors think, um, and then we have an RD and a product team who aren't necessarily don't come from investor backgrounds, but I think it's definitely the merging of the two. Um, people with investor backgrounds and like very strong techie people, um, I think we're creating this kind of like n- novel ways of just like looking and positioning the world. But I think also, I think we, we are, we're in a very fortunate position to have exposure to a lot of customers and prospects. And we just hear a lot from the market as well. And I think it's being attuned to what your customers are asking for. Um, and just being able to kind of pivot very quickly from that. Mm. You uh, service um, both public and private markets, so VCP, investment banking, and also kind of the hedge funds and, and, and investors trying to trying to make money on the open market. Um, is it half and half, or is it is it more one than the other? So when we definitely when, when we when we started building out the investor business, so the investor solution was only really set up in twenty eighteen. Um, when we started that, the focus actually was on private investors. Um, and the reason for that is the way that private investors used our kind of data, or just data in general, um, it's, uh, we've kind of positioned it down to kind of a, a couple of uh, major use cases. So one is sourcing. Can you find, use web traffic data to source other companies? And the other one really is kind of like due diligence, benchmarking companies. Now, those two use cases are very similar, very, very similar to uh, our sales use case. So finding sales leads is pretty much identical to finding a company to invest in with web traffic yeah. data, data. And then the research use case, which is for BI teams, for uh, kind of market research consultancies, it's exactly the same use case as a, hedge, a VC or PE firm would use to, for due diligence as well. So we actually had a product pretty much set up for these two use cases for VCs and PEs. Um, we then made a slight pivot to focusing on hedge funds uh, in about 2019. The reason really? for yeah, so they came they came second as a that's interesting. Yeah, because it's much it was much more complex for us to sell to hedge funds. Then, mm. like, there's a lot more kind of nuances that you need to do that are which are very distinct for for hedge funds. So mm. things like uh, mapping t- ticker mapping, uh, actually understanding what is the right metric to track on a company. So because we because we have so many different metrics from visits, engagement, search, conversion, we've got hundreds of different metrics per domain. Uh, I think we're kind of almost an aggregator of different data sets, like a digital data sets. Now for a hedge fund, a hedge fund just wants to see one or two signals. And mm-hmm. our product at the time and the way that we 
back in 2019 or 2018, we weren't able to filter out the noise of all those signals for hedge funds, at least in the way we talked, we talked about our products and data. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it was kind of a very big adjust when we started focusing on hedge funds, we just needed all kinds of new collateral talk track um, and way of positioning ourselves. It was them. It was them that I was kind of, I, I, I had assumed they were the, they were the starting block and it was them I was talking about in terms of the difficulty of learning what they want, because actually the hedge fund space is one where information is, it can be, can be rather scarce. Whereas perhaps in the private equity and VC space, there's a little bit more information around us, a little bit less secretive. So that, that kind of makes sense that, um, that the, that the hedge fund was a challenge and, and hard to get into as a, as a kind of later on. Definitely. And the other, the other thing I'd say, so uh, NASPERS or Process Now is, uh, was one of our early investors. And the reason why they invested in our company, were, well, a big reason why they invested in SimilarWeb was to access our data. Um, so um, they, we are very highly used in a lot of their uh, kind of sourcing due diligence process. Okay, brilliant. So, and so now, um, has it, has it gone more hedge fund or is it, um, is it, uh, or is it still kind of PE and VC dominated? Yeah, so I think the market in general for alternative data is still very much dominated by hedge funds right now. So um, we are, so I, I think there's more of a, a demand, like hedge funds are building out data science teams at a much more rapid rate than PE or VC firms are. I think just by the nature of the beast, PE, VC firms are just going to take longer to adapt and adjust to using alternative data. Whereas I think um, for hedge funds, it's for some of them, it's becoming relatively relatively vanilla. Got it. Okay, brilliant. Um, and so now, SimilarWeb as a company, obviously, you mentioned that you are uh, the top of uh, the head of one of five pillars. Um, how uh, is it? Again, is that kind of you know? A fifth, or is it, um, or or are you? Would similar web see investor intelligence as being kind of the main game, or or a small part of the of the overall game? Do you think? So, our core of the business is definitely corporates, um, and uh, when we when we went public, um, like. The market opportunity for SimilarWeb as a kind of market intelligence, uh, a data provider in general, um, is I think it's about $32 billion. And I think a lot of the opportunity is going to be corporates just by its nature. Like there's more corporate businesses out in the world that need digital data uh, than investor businesses. I think for SimilarWeb in general, I think investors obviously are like we've been growing. The solution has grown incredibly quickly um, over the past um, what two years since we've grown. Um, so it's definitely, um, I, I think, a significant a, a significant part of the growth story of SimilarWeb's business, but it's uh, not the core. Okay, brilliant. Why do you think SimilarWeb was first? What do you think? There's a lot of data providers out there um, of various shapes and sizes. It wasn't the first to be created, um, although it was early. You know, if it was created in 2013, then it was it was early, you know. But um, have you got a view as to why SimilarWeb has been the one to kick the door open in, in this, um, in this in, uh, by floating in the way it has? Um, so I, I think, first of all, the, the, the product of SimilarWeb is just, Fun to amazing like um it's 
a data product where we have a SaaS platform, which is super easy to use. You do not need to be a technical user to be able to know how to use it. I mean, I said I, I didn't have a background in data and I was able to use the platform and build insights on it uh, without even having any specialist knowledge um, on, the, um, on the data itself. So I think it's a product which is super broad. We cover 100 million websites and it's super granular. Um, as well so we can look at things like top level market trends from like how big is the e-commerce sector trending to how big is amazon's website or what's amazon's market share versus walmart um, to being able to even see what people are buying on amazon or what people are buying on walmart so it's a product that serves breadth and depth and several different use cases. So we sell to people in industries, anything from, well, I guess, consumer goods, to tech, to healthcare, even charities, cybersecurity, um, and then also investors as well. So it's a very, very bro um, broad universe of customers and clients. And the fact that we have so much granular data basically means we're able to kind of grow even into the businesses that we're selling to. I don't know if you, I don't know how much, um, how much, um view you had of the of the kind of of the process did you do you get a feel for what um what the market was excited about with similar web or, or actually can you why don't you give us some some kind of of the of the hits of of the of the ipo what did you what did the ipo for uh, so uh, we went uh, so the share price is about 22 dollars um at about 1.7 billion fantastic very nice um, and do you know, do, are you aware of kind of what the market was saying about, about similar web or what the big selling points were or what, what everyone was getting excited about specifically? Like was, is there a, is there a thing which the market and investors were saying, you know, this is why this company is, and, and my follow-up question will be, well, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm interested, I'm intrigued as well to see if there's much read across to, to other alternative data companies. Sure. So I think, um, some of the key, so one of the key areas was obviously the uh, the breadth and depth of our data and the fact that we serve so many industries and solutions as well. Um, and I think it was been cited by quite a few uh, some of the sales side coverage that we have a very strong non technical product uh, that we are going to market with. I think the other thing is that we we've been fortunate of is that many investors um, who were, have been interested in SimWeb have used our products before as well. So I think as a data vendor or even a company going to market, having investors who know and feel familiar with the product that they're investing in uh, is a big win as well. And I think, I, I guess like some of the areas which like we, we haven't tapped into for growth, which is where we are, we're looking to, uh, which is where some of the money that we fundraised is going to go towards. Uh, so M&A is an enormous opportunity for us as well. Uh, the fact that we can just expand our data offerings and enrich that as well. Um, and then I think the other one, which is very exciting, and one thing that we, we've only really started seriously investing in is marketing as well. So being able to, um, I guess, like market in a much more traditional enterprise SaaS company fa fashion, whether it be through kind of outdoor advertising, um, through brand or whatever. So you think it was the, so it's, the, it's basically the opportunity, you know, it's the yeah. fact that, but that it's a, it's a growing company in a growing space and there's, there's so much opportunity for, for further growth and, and for further, for further excitement. 
Okay. So what do you think, what do you think this means then for the kind of, for the wider, I mean, do you see this, do you see similar web going back slightly to what we were talking about before? Do you see similar web as an alternative data win or is it broader than that? Is it a, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a data win. And so how much of this, you know, $1.7, sorry, $1.7 billion can be, um, can be read across by other alternative data companies in the sector saying, you know, uh, one day Rodney <laughs> this time next year, um, or is it, or is it a, is it a wider data story? Um, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's a combination, it's a combination of both. I, I think from a, a wider, from the wider data story, I think it, what it essentially means is, well, one of our other competitors also went public, uh, I think about a month before SEM rush, um, and they have uh, kind of winners in search data as well. I think there haven't been many data companies that have just gone public in um, the past few years, like pure data companies as well. And I think it's just a testament to the market really understanding the opportunity of data and data just become also becoming just accessible uh, on a mass market level as well. Um I think from uh, another alternative data vendor's perspective on what this essentially means in the market uh, for the business, I mean, uh, it, it proves that not only are hedge funds or investors looking to use these products, they're looking to invest in these products as well. So uh, there's kind of a, a, a dual um a, a dual vision i guess from from hedge funds that they can do both do you so where do you see uh personally where do you see so so let's talk more broadly about alternative data where do you see alternative data as 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 being now is this is this a coming of age moment is this a um uh where does it fit into the into the kind of development of, of alternative data as a space? I, I wouldn't say this is the coming of age moment, but I would say this is definitely part of um, like the, the growth trajectory that alternative data has been going in for the past few years. Uh, I mean, we, we've seen a lot of M&A happening over the past like couple of years or so, uh, mainly um, private equity uh, or VCs buying some of these major alternative data players. Bloomberg brought a second measure um, at the beginning of the year. I think what this, I, I think part of the IPO is <sighs> implies that the alternative data vendors are getting more money that they can grow as well. And I think this goes ties into the story of consolidation in the industry. It's not a new um it's not a new idea, but like alternative data vendors are getting the funding that they can grow, acquire new data sets as well. Um, and I, I guess the thing from our perspective, I think we're very excited about being able to market more um, as well. Uh, not only market similar, but just market alternative data in general. Um, because if uh, the alternative data market in terms of demand from it, from hedge funds and even more long, traditional long onlys, that doesn't grow. SimilarWeb can't grow as a business. So I feel that there's uh, two big marketing initiatives that we can help grow and drive the industry uh, with some of this fundraising. I'm intrigued. There's a lot of people in alternative data right now talking about the opportunity for so alternative data I see and uh, is the kind of the word for using it when it's used by the markets and when it's used in finance and and sometimes in corporates then they then they will call the same thing external data. Um and there's a lot of people in alternative data right now saying 
you know, the next step is the corporate world, is the corporate space. And that's that's the growth opportunity. And that's that's where it is. Um, it's and it also and, and in many ways, the two seem like two different worlds. You know, I, I had I had people from McKinsey on talking about how they're advising corporates on external data. And then you have people in, you know, um, from alternative data who are talking about corporates like it's a it's a foreign planet. It's it seems to me like similar web by perhaps you are the you are the you are the translator which which crossed the crossed the that 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 made interstellar travel possible because it seems to me that similar web sits across the both sits across the two and actually it's 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 naturally and comfortably in both in both worlds and so it can capture both both directions of growth um do you do you does it feel You've been in the alternative data space for a while. You've you've kind of socialized. You know you know everyone in it. Does SimilarWeb feel unusual for having this kind of feet foot in both camps aspect, or do you think, uh, or have I have I misread it? Um. Yes and no. Um. I would say so. Some of so uh, some of our closest direct competitors. Um. So like App Annie. Uh, which provides app or app data, hence the name, um, Sensor Tower, um, Comscore. So those would be the closest comparisons that we've had um, from digital traffic data. They all started selling to corporates first um, and then moved into the investor space. So I think our, the type of data that we operate in, uh, mm-hmm. those competitors started off with corporates and then moved to investors afterwards as well. I think for some of the other data vendors who, um, and uh, the advantage of, I guess, starting off with selling to corporates is just by selling to corporates in themselves, there's just so many different use cases and personas that as a business, you're already relatively agile in understanding how to communicate into different use cases uh, and industries as well. I think probably some of the challenges for vendors that were set up only targeting hedge funds is that they're essentially targeting one use case. Um, and the use case of a hedge funds is very, very specific uh, as well. Whereas I think when you're targeting corporates, as I said, there's more of a variety as well. So I can definitely see that challenge uh, being there for, I guess, investor first data vendors. Have you found because you're you're um, finance focused and you mentioned that um, there was definite read across from the corporate side into the into the VC space um, with uh, like sales creation, sales leads creation, and and, and doing due diligence, etc. Um, have you found that there is a crossover the other way um, in terms of you say that as you say that the hedge fund space is like you know the back testing the the whatever the predictive um, analytics the 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 things which hedge funds are interested in do you see a potential crossover of that going back into the corporate space um, has 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 it has it gone both ways in that way. Um, so okay, so my my two views on this actually so. One, I think what corporates, so this is where I think there's a big area in the market which is missing, is corporates don't realize hedge funds are using data like ours or other data sets like that to invest in their business. They don't realize that um, that some of their share prices 
are being driven not by what they report to the market, but what how hedge funds are utilizing data. Yeah. Now, I think there's an enormous missed opportunity here for both hedge funds and corporates or CEOs, CFOs to create a dialogue uh, almost just uh, between each other. So like corporates should be controlling the message or making sure that hedge funds are using the right data to invest in their businesses. Sounds a bit bit cozy to me. Like, I think so many decisions are being made by hedge funds by using wrong data sources or inferring the wrong thing from a data set. And I think corporates or like corporates should have more awareness of the data types being used so they can at least direct their investors to be looking at the right, uh, looking at the right things. I mean, from a from an investment perspective, um, one thing which is said is that alternative data, so traditional data is the data that the company wants you to see, and alternative data is the stuff which they're seeing, which they don't necessarily, they haven't made look pretty. And and so it's the stuff, it's, it lets you into the boardroom, and you're actually seeing all the warts and all that are actually going on under the under the hood. So that would suggest that, um, that, that the fact that the corporates aren't controlling the message is one of the things that, that gives it value. Um, and potentially if they did get, and, and, and I'm sure they will naturally, because as you say, it has such an effect on their business and, and, you know, at some point they'll catch up to it. Um, but I just wonder if when they do, it, it will still hold the same value for the hedge funds. If, if they're being spoon fed this stuff rather than finding it out for themselves. So I agree and disagree. Um, my view is that alternative data is going to be mass market, um, in the, well, in the next five, 10 years. Uh, it's not just going to be hedge funds using it. It's going to be everyone using it pretty much. Now, I think one of the, so it, it, from that sense, it, it will become relatively commoditized. Um, I think the beauty about alternative data just in general is that there are just hundreds of billions of iterations of how you can use, extrapolate, interpret, combine data sets as well. And going to that level of detail, whether it's be combining a data set, whether it actually be really looking at the nuances of another data set as well, uh, like audience behavioral trends or things like that. Um, most people, m- most funds won't have the capacity or the ability to go to that level of detail. So there's still going to be a lot of alpha by asking the right questions and combining the data sets in the right way as well. Um, so I, I definitely think that that's how the markets could be fragmented. So even if corporates are conveying message like talking like referring to alternative data more there's a limit to what they can refer to right um and there will always be funds who can just think and ask questions more more detailed more agile questions as well very nice um how do you see alternative data and or or you know whatever we're going to call the data that uh, (laughs) or external data data like this um the usage spreading in internationally um similar webs an international company alternative data has, has been pretty US centric um, in the past. How do you see that developing? So I would say with similar, we're, we're fortunate. So we, we have data on 190 countries. So from investors, we, we have investors, I think almost about 30 countries now. Uh, so we're quite an international business, at least with the foreign investor unit. Um, and I think we're, I, I think, the the thing that's holding back uh, a lot of other countries is more the the stage in the adoption of alternative data in general. Um, there are still data sources out in many of these countries, whether it be scraping data, 
But I think from a cultural perspective, I can just talk even just from the UK. I know the UK mm-hmm. is quite a few years behind the US in terms of adopting data. And I know other parts of Europe are even further behind as well. Um, so I think it's more of a cultural adoption and where they are in that adoption curve than actually the accessibility of data. Um, so it's just a matter of time or there might be cultural resistance we will see type thing. I, 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 a matter of time. I think uh, the cultural resistance is going to be, will, will, will change the amount of time it takes. And Europe first, Asia next, or Asia might speed up? You know, know. <laughs> you know, you know what we're seeing demand from returners to data from weird places that I wouldn't have expected. So Brazil seems to be a, a very key market for that. Um, Australia seems to be growing as well. Um, and um, yeah, so those are some of the, the key markets where we're seeing kind of growth in. I was hearing the same. I was talking to um, Keso Pa, uh, Eric Nunleys, who has been on this podcast before the other day, and he was saying that, um, that yeah, previously it's been about taking Brazilian and Mexican data and selling it to New York investors. That was where I think the company came from. But more recently, they've been seeing a lot of interest in from Brazilian-based investors in mm-hmm. Brazilian and Mexican data. So, so actually, the investment interest is starting to spread into um, into into these uh, into these, you know, Latin America, for example, places. So, um, so yeah. While the data has been global, perhaps the investment interest hasn't always been global. But maybe that's that's now that's what's going to spread. Exactly. And, and I can tell you that in Brazil and Australia, they don't really refer to it as alternative data. They just see what we're selling as information and just data in general. The Australians probably call it AD or something, don't they? Data. They always, <laughs> data. 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 <laughs> um, brilliant. Ed, I think I have, I have, um, abu- I have, used your enough of your time in these in these giddy days when you're when you're the one of the masters of the universe post um post ipo so um i will i will let you go but um thank you so much for for coming i'm so glad we finally got it together and and managed to have this conversation because it's um i think it's it's been really interesting fantastic all right well great speaking mark thank you very much for having me on thank you